Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the nation. That's Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with Leanne Whippen, who's my co-pilot these days and it's going to be for a long time along with Camaro Dave Commander Chris coming to you from the southern uh turn it don't burn it studios and our our really good friend Meathead from amazingribs.com is here we're going to be talking about Christmas dinner and the tips and sides and some great Christmas gifts we'd like to thank the folks over at Painted Hills Natural Beef beef the way nature intended so everybody welcome to the show today let's talk cooking some cow to start with here um Meathead, I, I'll, I'll let you give the technical description of uh, a prime rib and uh, maybe a strip roast, and we'll go from there. How's that? Okay. Well, um, the prime rib and the strip roast actually are the same muscle. It's uh, a muscle that runs down the back. There's two of them on every animal, and you have them also. They're that tubular muscle that starts up by your shoulders and runs all the way down to your hips, and you can see it on a person's bare back. Uh, it's called the longissimus dorsi. And there's another little strip muscle that's kind of a, uh, a half moon that wraps around it called the spinalis dorsi. And uh, it is the ribeye muscle or the prime rib muscle. And uh, the prime rib is uh, from the top part of the animal, from the shoulder about halfway down. And it has seven bones. And uh, it, it runs about four to five inches in diameter, uh, counting the spinalis, which wraps around it and it is probably the most expensive muscle on the animal um although the tenderloin which lies on the other side of the bones um is also very expensive and is considered the most tender muscle the um uh longissimus the ribeye section is considered the most flavorful muscle on the animal um and the strip loin which runs below it um, doesn't have the spinalis, the the uh, the rib cap we call it, mm. but um, it is the same longissimus muscle, and it's just a little bit chewier, but it's also very flavorful. And these are your, I think your your prime your primo muscles on the animal. It's called prime rib because it is primo, uh, great quality, but it it can come in a range of um, uh, grades. USDA grades meat based on how much little um, uh, striations of fat in the meat. Um, it's in the meat, not on the meat. Uh, the, the fat on the surface of the meat um, uh, it doesn't influence flavor much at all. It, it's fat, and the meat is 75% water, and fat and oil and water don't mix. So that fat on the surface of the meat isn't going to get into the meat under any circumstances. So you can remove most of it when you're cooking it. No. <laughs> we'll get we'll get to that we'll get to that but the <laughs> it, it, it is a contentious issue i know um but the fat inside the meat the um uh, the striations 
um, are, are crucial to the flavor. They can melt while the meat is cooking. They uh, contribute tremendously to um, the flavor of the meat. And uh, so the, the grading, you usually have your least expensive grade called select, and you almost never see that in the stores. Then you have USDA choice. And a, little, a lot of people don't know, there's a, a, a subgrade called USDA top choice, which is a little better marbling. And uh, then there's USDA prime, and that is what most of the steakhouses serve. Now there's uh, also Wagyu beef, which is a breed of animal. Um, and uh, that's not a, a, a USDA grade, and that's very heavily marbled. Um, so if you can afford it, um, USDA prime uh, will be your best tasting prime rib, but USDA choice is also awfully good. Um, and uh, if you're not sure, it should be labeled, um, or if you buy uh, something called certified Angus beef, not just any Angus, but certified Angus beef, it is certified to be USDA choice. And uh, those are uh, um, your, uh, your, your, your top tasting, I believe. But if tenderness is your, your goal, then the tenderloin is, uh, is, your, is your choice. Uh, it doesn't have as much flavor because it doesn't have as much fat in it. All right, now, Leanne, you want to yeah. talk about fats on the on the surface? I do. And you know what? I don't care if it gets into the meat or not, because I'm still going to cut a piece and like match it up with my meat. I have to have like a ratio of fat to meat. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's the key. And I think that's the key. And also with brisket, it doesn't penetrate the meat. It can melt and it can drizzle around the outside surface of the meat. And that will help sear it and give it a, a, a nice crust. But if you leave a very thick fat cap on it, the first thing most people do is remove the fat cap. And if your seasoning is on top of the fat, there goes all your seasoning. So I tell people to leave about a quarter inch at the most of that fat, and then you can put the seasoning on. And that quarter inch will melt down to about an eighth inch. And most people will eat that little bit sliver of fat along with the meat, and that adds a lot of flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's me. And uh, I'll tell you, I'm also, you know, I'm a hog. So I'll just say that right up front here. But when you're, you and I have talked before about this uh, meathead about removing the spinellus and getting to the eye yeah. and that type of stuff. I don't, I don't do that because I love to eat the spinellus. Sorry. That's but, my favorite part. Yeah. It is. The that's problem why is, I go for the center cut of the prime rib roast because the spinellus is bigger because you, as you go towards the ends, don't you think uh, yes. it kind of disappears? It tapers. Yeah, it tapers. If yeah. you if you were to remove the spinellus, which I do often, it looks like a giant salmon fillet. It's wider at one end and narrow at the other end, thicker at, at the wide end and thin at the narrow end. And I remove it often because it's on the outside of the slab. And if you cook that, uh, that hunk of meat, it almost always overcooks and it almost always gets to well done. And, uh, and that is, I think, the, more, the most flavorful piece of meat on the animal. So I will often remove it and set it aside and I will cook it separately for myself and my wife. Oh, there you for go. the gang on Christmas, I serve the eye of the ribeye, which is that tube in the center. Right. Which is perfectly round and absolutely gorgeous. And it's enough for everybody. And the spinalis won't be there, but it, nobody misses it. Well, what about if you reverse sear it? Then it won't get overcooked. Well, that's a big 
point, and I, I am a strong advocate of reverse searing the uh, the ribrose, and we can talk about that indeed. I, I, um, go ahead. I like it just because when you have company, you can, you know, when you're throwing it in a 500 degree oven or whatever, it's going to be hot versus the other methods, I think. I well, let's know. let's let because you hit on upon what something that I think is absolutely crucial. A lot of recipes, most recipes tell you to do that. Throw it in a 500 degree oven. And what happens? All that hot air attacks the outside of the meat. And so you get a nice brown crust, which we all want. But immediately below that brown crust, you have a brown layer of meat that turns dark because the heat is building up and it's working its way towards the center. Then you have a tan layer. Then you have a pink layer. And in the center, you might have the perfectly rosy medium rare. And that's what happens if you cook it really hot. Now, um, Leanne mentioned a technique that I think is really crucial, and that's called reverse sear. You don't start it hot. You start it at a low temperature, around 200, 225, 250, in that range, and you gently warm the meat. When you do that, the outer layers don't overcook. They stay rosy, and it's almost the same color all throughout. But you're not building that nice crust. And what I love to do is after I warm it gently, and it takes a while longer to, at the lower temperature, um, then at the end of the cook, you hit it with the high heat. Now I do it on the grill. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. so you start it on the indirect side, away from the flame um, in the shade portion of the, the grill. And then um, at the end, you roll it over to the hot side, right over the flame, right over the coals, lift the lid, Leave the lid mm -hmm. open so all the energy is hitting on one side, but it's not warming it all around. And you're just pounding one side with energy and you're, 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 you're like toasting a slice of bread. You're building that crust. You roll it a quarter turn, hit it some more energy, roll it a quarter, keep rolling it a quarter turn until you've got a beautiful crust all around. And when you slice into it, you've got this great dark brown crust. And it's all rosy, edge to edge, bumper to bumper, perfect, absolutely breathtakingly gorgeous. What's your opinion of pre-salting the prime rib the night before? I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Salt is the magic rock. Mm -hmm. Salt does things that no other herb and spice can do. And what about bringing it to room temperature versus putting it in cold? Well, you know, a lot of people talk about that at room temperature. But if you if I've done this test. A, 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 a four inch slab of meat takes six hours to come to room temperature because it's water and water doesn't warm up rapidly. Um, and I've put a probe in there and you let it sit on the kitchen counter. And it just takes six hours. Well, during that six hours, bacteria multiply. They double every mm -hmm. 20 minutes. So now you've got a bacteria factor. But there's one thing that's really important. Smoke sticks to cold meat better than to warm meat. Um, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's, it's a, um, a, a reaction called thermophoresis. And you see it every morning when you get out of the shower, you get out of the shower and your mirror is fogged over. And the reason it's fogged over is the little tiny particles of moisture that are warm are attracted to the cold surface of the mirror. And the same thing happens. The little tiny particles of smoke are attracted to cold meat. So you take it out of the refrigerator, you put it right on the cooker. You start generating smoke and you're going to get a nicer smoke flavor than if you let it come to room temp and let it sit around for six hours. Mm -hmm. So does it matter if you salt it and then put it back in the fridge? Because that's one of the sure. things I do. The salt will move slower under cold <laughs> temperatures. But here's what happens. Salt is two little atoms, sodium and chloride. And they're, when they get wet, 
they start to vibrate and they get a little electrical charge and they can penetrate deep into the meat. Now it takes a while. It takes a while for them to move through all that liquid. And actually they move faster under higher temperatures. There you go. We got to take a break. We're way over on time, but I don't care. Uh, we'll be back here on Barbecue Nation with my co-host Leanne Whippen and Meathead from AmazingRibs.com, the man himself, right after this. Stay with us. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the Barbecue Nation Radio Network, and very soon we're joining the joining the usa uh radio network network can't talk today usa radio network um so i'm excited about that i'm jt along with leanne we're talking with our good friend meathead from amazingribs.com today uh really quickly if you want to email us you just go to barbecue nation that's bbqnationjt.com and you can send us a message there we each have uh, separate emails but just in general, you can send us a question. You can also go to Facebook, Twitter, all those social media platforms. We are there. And as I said, we're talking with Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. I wanted to continue our discussion about rib roasts and uh, roasting versus smoking and then ovens versus grills. There's a million ways to do it, really, if you want to. We all get kind of stuck in, I think, at times, Meathead, in our traditional ways, maybe the way mom and dad did it or Aunt Nellie did it or what have you. I think that, well, first of all, I think if people are cooking outside and using a smoker or as you use a charcoal, I think they should be adventurous, but not adventurous on Christmas Day. Practice it beforehand so you're not blowing 300, a $300 roast out the window. Great, great advice. Same thing with Thanksgiving. You got a company coming over. You better know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you want to show off. You want to look like you're. But golly, I get emails from people. I got a company coming. I'm going to do a turkey. And I also want to do a uh, pork crown roast. <laughs> on my Weber Smoky Mountain, which right. goes on top, which goes underneath. And it's like, no, don't do this. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> you can, but you better practice. <laughs> yeah. You know, how to get to Carnegie Hall, right? Right. Practice, practice. So I'll, I'll, actually, I'll start with uh, Leanne on this. Tell mm -hmm. us your your methods, your, your trade secrets for, for cooking uh, a rib roast. Well, like I said, I like it bone in. That's because I like to eat around the bone. I keep the spinellus on. So I'm like totally um, opposite y'all. And I guess it, it boils down to tradition. And I know my family likes the spinellus. So if we separated that, there would be a huge fight. So I'm uh -huh. not going to instigate that. <laughs> See, my family uh, has no idea that there is a spinellus and I'm not. Yeah. Telling them. <laughs> uh, and, and also, um, you know, a big fan of roasting it. You get some good juices to make a nice gravy because I have a problem with juices that come out of a smoker. They get a little too much smoke in them for me. I do like to reverse sear on a grill. 
Um, and also, I think, you know, for people out there that are going to try to do that, they have to think about where they live because Christmas is getting cold yeah, <laughs> in yeah. some parts of the country. So you might not be able to do that so happily. Um, and I also enjoy the scents and, you know, around Christmas time, just like Thanksgiving, I like the smell of, of, of the meat roasting and it just lends itself to the holiday for me. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And, and, and uh, I, 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 I'm with you. And I do like gnawing on the bone. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just, I like the crust. And so I, I just pull the bones off and make a separate meal. And then, then that's all I do for that meal is gnaw on bones. Uh, but uh, I'll tell you, I got to tell you what I did last year. Um, and it was kind of fun. Um, every year um, uh, Christmas uh, dinner is at one of my uh, in-laws. And uh, they live about uh, five or six miles away. And so it's over the river and through the woods for me. And uh, so last year I went through the normal process. I removed the bones. So that's a meal set aside for my wife and me. I removed the spadalis. That's a couple more meals for my wife and me. And I've got this beautiful tube of uh, maybe eight, 10 pounds of uh, mm -hmm. uh, prime rib. And I'm thinking, now how am I going to do a reverse sear? and get it over there. And then the light bulb went off and I got my sous vide machine out. Mm. Oh, there you go. I knew this was coming. And, and I knew so it was coming. Yeah. <laughs> and um, for those who are not familiar with this technique, it, you should know about it by now, but I keep running into people who never heard of it. But what you do is you take the meat and you put it into a zipper bag and you lower it into uh, a bucket of water so that the water squeezes all the air out and the, the, the bag adheres closely to the meat and then you zip it up and you put a tube in the water that is a heater and it's called a sous vide machine and you can set it to precisely the temperature that you want now when you're cooking on a grill or a smoker the temperature can be two three four hundred degrees so you want the meat at 130 to 135 which is medium rare so it's like trying to jump off a train uh, on at the station while it's moving you've got to hit it right on the money but if you use this technique called sous vide, you can set the temperature for 131 degrees and it will go up to 131 and it'll never go beyond. You'll never overcook the food. So that's what I did. I put it in the sous vide machine and it warmed the meat up to a perfect 131 degrees. And you can leave it there for hours. And so what I did was, is I took the bucket with the warm water, went over the river and through the woods to my uh, <laughs> niece's house where it just sat with the sous vide machine for a couple of hours while we all had cocktails and appetizers. No hurry, no fuss, no muss. And about 30, 40 minutes before dinner, I went outside, fired up her gas grill, um, threw some wood chunks on the uh, on the burners and took it out of the bag and started rolling it a quarter turn at a time until I built this gorgeous crust, used put my rub all over it and uh, built this gorgeous crust. And it came in, and I've got pictures of this on the website on amazingribs.com, and this whole technique is broken down. And it was just absolutely gorgeous. I, I find bumper. it remarkable that you would bring it to 130, 135, then put it on the grill. I would think it would overcook. To me, it would be more like a reverse year, you know, you like 115. And so was it actually lower? It, no? it, 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 it didn't go up that much. And one of the cool things huh. about sous vide, it, first of all, you've got this big old hunk of meat. And I, when I'm searing, I do it with the lid open. So all the energy is hitting just on one surface, mm -hmm. rotate. And then that energy tends to go off into the atmosphere rather than down into the meat. 
So it, 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 you, you, you don't overcook much. What you'll do is you'll get a very thin layer of tan just below the surface, but it doesn't go deep into the meat at all. In fact, I don't think that it got it. I, I think it went from one, I, 131 is, is where all bacteria die at 131. Um, uh, it, or they start dying at 131. When you keep it there for hours, you can kill them all. Um, but um, um, at, uh, it never went higher than 135. It's and, amazing. And with sous vide, what's cool is, is you can actually often overcook meat in sous vide and it still comes out really tender because of the process. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a tenderizing process. So it's basically a reverse sear is what it is. Right. Speaking of going deep, we have to take another break here on Barbecue Nation. We'll be right back with Leanne and Meathead right after this. Stay with us. If you're enjoying GT and his show, come check out my podcast, Around the House with Eric G, where we talk home improvement and design right here where you catch this podcast. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com. Welcome back to uh, Barbecue Nation here on the Barbecue Nation Radio Network. I'm JT along with Leanne Whippen, Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. We'd like again to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef. If you could get your hands on a Painted Hills uh, prime rib, as you know, it's a rib roast, but you civilians call it prime rib if you can do that or even a new york strip then you've heard me talk about that but i'll tell you about that in a minute do try it it's wonderful beef makes these great roasts and stuff uh for christmas dinner also the folks that uh i say gunter he says gunter uh wilhelm knives great knives reasonably priced um I've used them in the kitchen. I use them on TV and they're terrific. Uh, we're hey. talking about your Christmas dinner now, prime ribs and, and all that with meathead. Uh, but Leanne, you wanted to make a point about too much smoke. You said you didn't like too much smoke on your beef or and especially right. on the drippings. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm more apt to use a lighter fruit, fruit wood, like apple. I'm not going to go like a hardcore mesquite, like I would on a steak. Right. Um, so a softer wood and, you know, pellet cookers are really good too, you know, for this, cause it gives it a lighter smoke. Um, that's so what I use actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A I, pit I, boss. I, I agree. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like a lot of smoke on my, on my prime rib. Hey, by the way, I got to stick in a, a plug for your uh, sponsors. Um, you arranged for uh, painted Hills to send me some beef and that's good stuff. Yeah. I really liked it. And I, too, am a Gunther Wilhelm knife fan. So, yeah, I, I got to get Leanne some some knives there. She'll uh, try them. Yes. And some meat. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just send me your Christmas shopping list and I'll get it for you. OK, OK, okay, okay do I'll do that. Um, <clears throat> I, you heard me. I'll, I'll just briefly touch on this. One of the reasons that when we talk about, uh, you know, prime ribs at Christmas and that, but I also bring up the strip loin or the new york strip whatever you want to call it and, and like we said at the beginning of the show it's part of the same muscle it's about four to seven dollars cheaper per pound yeah. at the grocery store and i know people have had a tough time the last couple three years with covid and we don't have to go into all the details there but when you're shopping you can actually make uh 
it's not going to be exactly the same. It's not going to be the exact same te texture, but you can make a delightful Christmas roast out of a New York strip. And on TV a couple of times, I actually tied two of them together and mm. roasted them. So it was um, as big as a round from a rib. Okay. And it, it, it worked great. You sliced it off and it, nobody, nobody cared. Nobody knew the difference in the audience and all that stuff. So if you're, if you're budget conscious, which a lot of people are, maybe you take a look at the, the strip loin roast there. Uh, end of my story. I think yeah, it's, I, I like strip steaks and strip loins almost as well as ribeye. I don't think yeah. it's a sacrifice at all. Yeah. And you will, you will write the check for less money. I feel like the grocery stores run specials during Christmas on prime rib though. I can help you with that a little bit. They <laughs> do loss leaders. The stuff you're going to pay the premium for, like. Oh, here's your mic. Uh, you, your uh, mic uh, went uh, out again. Uh, Jeff, uh, your mic's out. Oh, no, you're muted. You're muted on. Um, there, I, he, oh, I, now like, he's gone. Now he's gone. Oh, boy. His little uh, editor's going to have a little. Alone at last. <laughs> Alone at last. Uh, Here we are. Hey, have you ever done a Wellington on the grill? Not on the grill, no, but I've done no. Wellington. Yeah, I, I'm wondering if. I've never done it on a grill either. I'm wondering how that might work out. I well, mean, obviously I'm indirect vision. heat. Partner. <laughs> obviously indirect heat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> but okay. I'm just wondering, you know, it, you know, it, how the it, smoke would affect it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure about it. I'm kind of afraid. And it's an expensive test to screw up. Yeah. 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 I'm back, Interesting. by the way. I'm oh, back. oh, hey. We, didn't, we hardly noticed. I know. Yeah, but I'm sorry. the one thing about this is I can hear everything you're saying about me. Oh, while I'm gone. So that's that's a, <laughs> thank you for telling us that. Now, that, we know. That's, a, that's a good thing. OK, here's my little spiel about how grocery stores. Um, and if you want to listen to next week's show, Will Homer will be here. We'll be talking more about supply chain issues and the beef and, you know, all this process. They'll run he, a loss. the guy behind Painted Hills. I've heard him before. Right, right. Uh, they run a loss leader. So you'll have your premium, your, your prime, uh, your choice, choice plus, whatever. But then you're going to go into your, and this is usually the larger stores or regional chains. You'll go in and you'll find one for uh well it used to be 4.99 a pound now i'm sure it's like 9.99 a pound but though that meat actually most of it comes out of canada it's discounted it's it's graded but it's at the lower end of the spectrum so to speak hmm. like that <clears throat> and they do that so they one it, it gets their their sales numbers up uh massively right before christmas two they can't keep enough of the real premium beef in there if they've got a really good customer base. So they run these loss leaders and you come in there and you'll buy a, you know, a, a whole prime rib with bones and everything's about 18 pounds, 17, 18 pounds in there with fat cap and everything on it. All right. Mm -hmm. So you'll buy those. You're still paying for probably four pounds of fat and, and, and stuff that you're going to trim off, but you need to, you need to pay attention to that. And so if, when you look at the loss leader, Really look at the grading and look at where it comes from. That's what I'm just going to tell hmm. the listeners. Inter interesting. Yeah. So anyway, back to uh, what we were talking about. You were talking about, uh, let's jump into seasonings and rubs for a second here. Uh, you know, it's, we, we've talked about it many times on the show, especially with you, Meathead, you know, putting the salt on, as you call it, salt is the magic rock. <clears throat> is there things that people should be 
cautious of in seasoning, especially a rib roast? Can they do it too much? Can they can they uh, really screw the pooch on this thing, as they say? Yeah, I mean, you, you can always add salt. You can never take it away. Right. And that's the problem. Over salt. And we've all had this experience. We've all we've all sat down to a meal and said, oh, this is marvelous, but just too much salt. Um, the general rule of thumb that we preach, and it seems to work pretty well. Um, we use Morton's coarse kosher salt for almost everything. And I know a lot of chefs do um, because it, it doesn't have um, much in the way of additives. It's pretty pure and um, it's easy to pick up with your fingers and sprinkle. Um, and the general rule of thumb is a half a teaspoon of Morton's coarse kosher salt per pound of meat. And that, that seems to work uh, regardless of the thickness, uh, regardless of the type of meat, chicken, beef, and that will get deep in there and will uh, mess with the proteins properly. And, uh, uh, and it amplifies the flavor. It turns up the uh, natural flavor. Um, and uh, the rest of your stuff, as I said earlier, the garlic and paprika and black pepper and ginger and all that stuff, these are very, very large molecules. Sugar is a minimum of 23 atoms. Um, it, it, it can't penetrate. It, there's little tiny microscopic cracks and crevices in the surface, and it can get into those. But they don't go much more than a 16th of an inch. Um, so they're not. And if you and if you take a prime rib, you cook your prime rib, you can put all every seasoning in your in your spice rack all over the surface. Do it overnight if you want. And when you slice that baby open and taste the center, all you're going to taste is beef. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't get in there. So all that seasoning is on the surface. Um, and uh, that's OK, because I love the crust. And, you know, I like my meat medium rare, but often I'll grab for the end cut which is often slightly oh, overcooked yeah. because oh, yeah. it's on the end mm -hmm. and it's exposed to more heat and it's a little well done. You know, I'll check around and make sure, is there anybody who wants it well done? And if no hands go up, I'll <laughs> sacrifice myself because <laughs> yeah. it's got all the seasoning. <laughs> yes, on it, you it know? does. And, you know, there, there, there's an argument. We've had this debate over Christmas dinner and I said, are you guys, I mean, because we've been doing this prime rib. I've been cooking it for the family every year for many, many years. And, and I, I've often said, would you rather I take this and cut it into ribeye steaks? Because when you cook a ribeye steak, you've got much more surface. You've got the cross section. You've got more surface, more crust. And that's a lot of great flavor. And, you know, it's just something festive about having this big roast. It is. But you only yeah. have that round, you know, if you're cutting it in quarter inch or half inch slabs, You've only got that little half inch, a quarter inch of all that seasoning there. Yeah. So let me ask you, have you ever cooked? I, I've cooked several packed in salt. Have you ever done that? I have done a, um, uh, a chuck roast that way once long yeah. ago. Um, uh, have you done that? Leanne? No, I have not. No, it's actually it works. It's a lot of extra work and a lot of extra salt, but you basically uh, you know, you're assuming your roast is trimmed. You you put it uh, in a bag, put a little olive oil and your seasoning on it, uh, throw it in the fridge overnight, get it out. You pack your roasting pan. You can't really do this on a grill because it just wouldn't work. Uh, but you have a, an old fashioned turkey roaster, as it were. And you, you um, put some salt on the bottom. You put your roast in there and you pack it with uh, damp 
kosher salt all the way around it. And um, when you when it's finished, when it's come to temperature, you take it out. The salt is kind of cracked and broken, and you just kind of tap it, and you pull it out, and you dust off the rest of it. And it's quite delightful, but huh. it's it's not something. I mean, I haven't done that in. 15 years yeah it's, it's been about 15 20 years since i've done it right. i did it with a chuck rose yeah um and i so a friend of mine told me he how to do it and i used pickling salt which is a very large grain salt right and mm -hmm. you just get it wet and it turns into like mud and you pack it all around this log of meat and i actually laid it right on top of the coals because ah, the salt, okay. salt's a pretty good insulator Huh. Uh, the problem is, is you don't get a brown crust. We're going to be back, wrap up the regular show, and then Meathead and Leanne and I are going to do After Hours. You're going to want to hear After Hours this week because we're going to be talking about a lot of barbecue gifts for Christmas. You're listening. And we get to curse on After Hours. Yes, absolutely. Yes, we do. It, it's lifted. The rules are lifted. Lift, lifted and gone. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the Barbecue Nation Radio Network and soon to be on the USA Radio Network starting in January. We Look forward to dealing with all the folks out there. I'm JT, along with Leanne Whippen and our good friend Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. We we didn't talk about sides. And I you both know me well enough to know that my main side when I'm doing a prime rib, if you will, is a twice-baked potato. And I go through quite a process to do it, but everybody loves them and that. And then, you know, as far as the a green vegetable or something like that, we have, they kind of rotate through my meal plan uh at at christmas leanne first of all i wanted to ask you what do you do as a side when you do a, a rib roast so the, <clears throat> there's actually a a potato recipe we call them our football potatoes so it's a combination of mashed potatoes and parmesan cheese and you make little discs and then you fill it with um like cheese and broccoli and then you roll it into a ball like that's the center filling and then you do your flour egg panko and then you deep fry these balls and then Whoa. we like to have bernays sauce on top. oh wow <laughs> boom you just blew my mind yeah boom <laughs> those are our football potatoes <laughs> we wow. traditionally green beans with um mushrooms onions um and bacon with uh you know slivered almonds on top that's a big tradition um, if we're going really into richness, we'll do, you know, cream spinach with Parmesan, garlic, onion, you know, that's always fun. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's it. Thanksgiving to me gets more complicated because you've got all these different sides. Yeah. We do the green beans and the, and the mushroom soup and, and what have mm -hmm. you like that. I just like doing, I guess maybe I just like doing Christmas dinner better, which mm -hmm. is a good handoff to meathead to let him tell us about his sides. Yes. Well, I'm a I'm a potato fan too. My niece makes awesome twice baked, um, and she pipes it on there so it's got mm. beautiful oh, yeah. swirlies and um, hits it with a little smoked paprika on top, mm -hmm. so it has some nice color and gets a little smoky character, um, and uh, that that's fantastic. 
I like to do, um, I learned, I learned the technique for beans. I don't, I don't mean to sound pretentious. I learned it in France. Um, and, and it's simple. Um, you, you blanch the, the string beans in boiling water for maybe two minutes. Um, and it really brightens the color and starts mm-hmm. the cooking process. And then you uh, shake off or pat off the water, um, throw it in a broad bottom uh, frying pan um, with some bacon fat um, and get, get it really good and hot. And you scorch these beans. You get a little brown or a little scorching on them. And just as they're finishing, just before they're done, um, I throw in some seasoned breadcrumbs and they stick to the beans because mm. of the, uh, the fat. So you've get, you don't have a coating on it but you have a smattering of these breadcrumbs on there. And then if you want to go one step further, a little Parmesan cheese. Sounds um, delicious. And, uh, and, and uh, it, it, it's really a nice presentation and it's very flavorful. Um, you know, it, this time of year, um, it, it's also Hanukkah this week. Um, right. And uh, my all-time favorite potato prep, is what uh, they call latkes. It's potato pancakes. I love right? them. I, love, yeah. I think it's yeah. just, it's the ultimate potato because it's crispy and crunchy on the edges and it's brown on the surface and then creamy in the center. So you've mm-hmm. got all these textures going on. Um, basically, the, the core concept is, is you, you, you take your potatoes, you peel them and you shred them on the on a box grater or in a food processor. So you have large shreds. And then I use a, a potato ricer um, and squeeze as much of the juice. And a lot of people wrap it in um, a cloth to squeeze out the juice. I find that very hard to do. And it, the ricer, you would think it would squeeze it through the holes, but it doesn't. This is raw potato. So it's, it just squeezes the juice, a potato ricer. And you want to get as much of the... Um, the um, starch laden water out of that potato as you can mix it with a little egg, just a little flour, and you make a, 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 a little ball of it. And it goes into maybe a, a half inch to three quarters of an inch of olive oil, which is symbolic of the Jewish holiday because um, uh, it, it celebrates the idea that the olive oil in the lantern in the, um, in the, uh, uh, synagogue in Israel burned for eight days when they thought they only had enough oil for one. So you, mm-hmm. you prep them by cooking them in olive oil and uh, <clears throat> hit them with a little salt and pepper and uh, flatten them down into a pancake and flip them. And when they get golden on the outside, out they come. And the edges, because these are shredded, you've got these sharp little shards on the edges. Mm-hmm. Oh, and a lot of people serve them with uh, sour cream or yes. applesauce. Um, I God, I just like them with a little salt. Uh, you know, they're fried potatoes, French fried yep. potatoes. Yeah, yeah. They're wonderful. I, I hear you groaning down there. You've had them, haven't you, uh, Leanne? Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, um, on the barbecue brawl, <laughs> I think I cooked them twice <laughs> uh-huh. in the dishes there. Yeah, I was there, you know, wrapping the potatoes in towels and frying them in bacon grease on an iron skillet on the grill. And that was like a base for a couple of things I did. Yeah, they're kind of like them. hash browns. Mm-hmm. But because they're a pancake, the center is more like a mashed potato creaminess. It's just it's got it mm-hmm. all. It does. And I have I have a really good recipe that I got from a rabbi's wife <laughs> on my website. <laughs> OK, oh, good. I'm going to look that up. Perfect. <clears throat> OK, we got a couple minutes left before we we go out of the regular show. So I want to ask you, what is your favorite thing that you ever got for Christmas that has to do with cooking or that could be a tool, a book, a whatever. 
Okay. Let's start with Leanne. Go come back to me. I got to think for a minute. Well, actually, you know what? My dad get and it wasn't one thing. It was a set. And it was when I was right out of college, he bought me a set of Henkel knives and that was, and I still have them to this day. Um, and that was a big deal, you know, at that age. Oh, get. sure. Sure. So I remember that. Okay. We got Henkel knives for our wedding and we still have them too. Yeah. Great yeah. knives. Yeah. Um, this, 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 I had to think for just a second. Then I remembered my wife gave me my first smoker. Oh, awesome. um, it was a, um, a Brinkman. Yep. A vertical, uh, uh, you know, uh, like the Weber Smoky Mountain, what do you like a tube uh, thing? Right. But it was gas, gas fired. And uh, I, I did a slab of ribs and it was like, oh my God. Yeah. Wow. And it was that opened the door. She, she, it's all her fault. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's I a good thing to blame her for. <laughs> I, think, I, I think I told Mita this. I don't know if I told you this, Leanne. I got, I, when I bought my first really good set of Henkel knives. Okay. Uh huh. We were living at the ranch, big house, whole smattering of family there. And I come in one day and my mother is prying open a tuna fish can with the little pairing, Henkel oh. pairing knife. That's the only knife I have left of that set because mm. I, I kept it because the tip got a hook in it now. And I keep <laughs> it to remind people not to mess not. with my knives. There, that's that's that. Anyway, we got to go. Please tune in, everybody, for After Hours. We're going to be talking about Christmas gifts. And for your barbecue people, I'd like to thank Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. Go there. Great stuff on that website. Also, um, Leanne, my co-host, mm -hmm. she's got some spices and rubs that you'll love. But we got to get out of her way over on time. And we'll be back. Okay. Wish you all a very Merry Christmas. But we'll be back next week. Take care, everybody. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Envision Networks and Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.